A new research report by Poneman Institute finds that medical ID theft incidents have increased nearly 22% in the last year. So what's behind the rise in medical ID theft and fraud? I'm Marianne Kobasek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Ann Patterson, Senior Vice President and Program Director of the Medical Identity Fraud Alliance, or MIFA. MIFA, which sponsored the Poneman study, is an industry trade association of healthcare providers, payers, and other organizations aiming to better protect consumers from medical identity fraud. Anne will discuss with us key findings of the new report. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Marianne. So now, Anne, for starters, what's the difference between medical ID theft and medical ID fraud, and who's committing those crimes? It's a very good question that I get often. So the ID theft is the actual theft of PHI, protected health information, which is typically compiled in an EHR, your electronic health record. But it can also reside elsewhere within an organization. The ID fraud is the illegal use of that data, of the PHI or the EHR, usually for financial gain, which can be uh, things like selling the stolen records on the black market or for fraudulent billing, or it can actually be used to obtain health care, medical goods or services for those individuals that do not have their own insurance coverage and need to obtain health care. The fraud is being perpetrated by both criminals and the average consumer. On the criminal side, you're going to see the organized activity like data hacking, buying and selling of the records on the black market, fraudulent billing, things like that. On the the typical consumer side, what you do see, as I mentioned, are those individuals that do not have health insurance and they are fraudulently using somebody else's identity and that's oftentimes somebody that they know. They're using that identity to actually obtain health care or medical goods that they need but they cannot afford to pay for on their own because they don't have their own insurance. So now, Anne, how are these medical ID criminals gaining access to this data, and what should healthcare sector organizations be doing to better protect the personal ID information of, of their patients and consumers? I believe that the increase in EHRs, electronic health records, since the 2009 High Tech Act, that has created an increased larger cyber vector on cyber threat within the healthcare industry. The healthcare industry is doing ever more to protect our data as they move into this electronic environment of EHRs, and they're doing it pretty quickly because they have the advantage of best practices from examples from other sectors such as financial services or retail who have long had sensitive electronic data, such as financial data. And so they've got those best practice examples regarding data protection, and that includes things like BYOD, bring your own device, which the healthcare sector uh, definitely takes advantage of mobile technology. So as more and more health information is becoming accessible on the mobile devices, that does create another area for criminals to look at weak BYOD practices within a healthcare organization. And so while the mobile technology or any kind of technology is fantastic for healthcare professionals to leverage that technology because they're able to give us better healthcare, but they also need to be very mindful 
that all of the, the modern technology, particularly in the Internet of Things, where everything is digitized and networked enabled, that that is creating a very large attack surface for cyber criminals. One of the key refrains that you'll hear within the healthcare industry is also what we need to do is to be moving away from things like social security numbers as patient identifiers. Many healthcare organizations are already doing this. There is no federal mandate that says you must do this, but voluntarily the healthcare industry is definitely very aware of this and moving towards not using social security numbers, but it's definitely still a pretty high prevalence of use in terms of when you go to the doctor's office, you're asked for that kind of information. And this also applies for government benefits such as Medicare. The Veterans Administration last year rolled out a program to remove the date of birth and social security number of veterans from the magnetic stripe on their health ID cards. So that type of activity is something that needs to be done across the board in both the private and public healthcare sectors. So now, Anne, you mentioned mobile devices being vulnerable to medical ID theft and fraud. How about hackers? How big of a threat are they? There's been a recent uh, large hacking at Anthem Health Plan, 80 million records supposedly stolen last August. There was a big hacking attack on community health systems, which resulted in about 4.5 million patient records being affected. What about hackers? I think hackers are definitely going to be a major threat. We've seen increases in it, like you mentioned, the, the couple of large attacks that we've seen, millions of records vulnerable. So I think that is, unfortunately, sort of the way of the future. Again, as the healthcare industry creates more and more EHRs and becomes fully digitized, as that ramp up is exponentially just growing very, very quickly, it just creates more cyber data for hackers to try to attack. One of the things that we're seeing in terms of why they might be doing that is that electronic data or of any kind of medical records is highly lucrative on the black market for criminals. And so from a monetary standpoint in terms of the amount of money you can get selling a medical record versus the amount of money you can get, say, like selling a credit card number. And so those kinds of things in terms of the number of records available, the the amount of data that's available to try to be hacked, and the fact that once you do steal the data, it's highly monetizable. I think those things combined make for a pretty ripe environment for data hacking type kind of criminal activity. As I mentioned earlier, the Poneman report found that medical identity theft incidents increased nearly 22% over the last year. What other findings were surprising in this research? What was most eye-popping to you? I think that 22% jump was, that was a very eye-popping for me in terms of this is the fifth year of the study, so we're able to look over some year-over-year trending data, that the jump from 2013 to 2014 in terms of the number of victims, the base rate of that is more than the first two years of the study combined. And so while medical identity theft, the five-year trending data that we've seen is growing up, the line, if you were to make a, a chart of it, from the last uh, couple of years is a little bit, it's much sharper incline. And so I think that is pretty telling in terms of what we just talked about in terms of data hacking and criminals wanting to target the healthcare sector, that we are seeing a rise in that kind of criminal activity. 
One of the other surprising things is the amount, the dollar value of the financial losses experienced by the victims. In the previous year's survey, only 35%, so about a third of the victims, had to pay out-of-pocket costs, and that was pretty significant, about $18,000 per person, so that's a, a large chunk of money, but only about, about a third of the victims uh, claimed that they had to pay something out-of-pocket. By comparison, this past year, in 2014, about 65% of victims experienced some sort of financial loss. The overall cost of the per-person loss went down to about 13000 which is still a pretty large number. Most people just don't have $13,000 to throw away to try to fix an identity problem. But the fact that the number of victims having to pay something out of pocket went from 35% to 65% is a huge, huge jump. We don't know quite why uh, more people are experiencing financial losses, but that is a big number. Collectively, that's about $20 billion that victims have had to pay out of their own pockets compared to $11 billion from the previous year's study. So that's a, a significant multi-billion dollar amount that we're having to deal with in terms of fraud losses in the industry. So when these victims do pay out of pocket, what are they paying for? It can range from actually having to reimburse, say, your health insurance company for a surgery you never received because the identity thief used your identity to obtain medical goods or services. It can be used for a large chunk is for legal fees when you're trying to remediate the problem. Um, and oftentimes what we find is that after spending all of that money, the problem doesn't get solved in the sense that your medical record is still not correct. Oftentimes a notation can be made in your medical record to say that this particular entry is related to identity theft and it's not the actual person who has that medical condition or who had that surgery but the line item is not removed. It's just a notation is made. So unlike your financial credit report where you can work with the credit bureaus to have something inaccurate actually removed from the record itself, that doesn't usually happen. And so even after spending these large sums of money for legal fees, court costs, to actually pay for goods and services you never received, the, the issue doesn't get resolved even after all of that. So now what sorts of costs do the healthcare providers and payers rack up when it comes to medical ID, theft, and fraud? So similar to in, say, like financial services cases where somebody uses your credit card and, you know, the, the person, the victim is only liable for maybe $50 or $100 or something, not at all, and then the bank eats the loss. So similar to that, a healthcare provider like a, a hospital system or a doctor's office or the insurance company, the payers, might experience that same type of loss where the victim is not paying because they aren't the one who actually received those goods and services. And so if their case holds up legally that they might not be liable for those, then the health insurance company then would be maybe out of if they've already reimbursed the doctor for a fraudulent claim the health plan might be out of the money, or on the other side, if the health plan refuses to honor the money and the hospital is not able to collect from the victim, then the hospital is out where they've delivered services to a fraudulent identity, but they can't collect their payment for those services. And so the the healthcare industry, not just the victim, but on the business side, they're experiencing pretty high dollar losses as well. 
What can consumers do to better protect themselves from becoming victims of medical ID theft and fraud? So all of the same things, the precautions that you take to protect any other sensitive information about yourself, particularly financial information, you would do the same thing for your medical information. So that's when people call and say, oh, I'm from your health plan and I'm updating their records, don't give them any information of their phone. Don't click on emails that you're not familiar with, even if it says it's from your health insurance company or from your doctor's office. Don't overshare any other particularly sensitive things like health plan information in an online format or on a mobile application unless you know and trust the provider of that platform. So all of those same types of things, those precautions should be in place with your health information. Additionally, for health information, in terms of documentation, some things that people don't think about are like we're trained to, oh, you need to shred your credit card or bank statements. Nobody ever tells us you need to shred your explanation of benefits when you no longer need them or, or any other type of information, particularly prescription information. You know, you pick up your prescription at the pharmacy, sometimes on the bottle. The label will have some sensitive information like health plan information. We don't think twice about just throwing the bottle in the trash can when you're done. So the same way that you would dispose of other information, you should be looking for all types of health information that is sensitive. The other thing that we would tell consumers is to be careful about oversharing in social media platforms. We tend to overshare a lot of personal information, including our health information in terms of, oh, I'm having surgery or I have this illness and things like that that are that are typically private but are very openly shared these days. One thing that criminals are really, really good at are data mining and aggregating all kinds of data that's available out there in an online platform and aggregating that to create a really rich, robust medical identity about you. So it's not just your date of birth, social security number, health plan ID number. It's not just those things which obviously need to be protected, but all other health information can be aggregated and create this really rich identity that then gets exploited. What's your advice to healthcare providers and payers to help prevent their patients and members from being victims? I think one of the things that we definitely really need is increased education and awareness. And so similar to how a bank might have posters or flyers or inserts in the mail or statements that say things about protecting your privacy and don't give out financial information. So the same thing that the retail and financial services sectors have been training us as consumers to not share that kind of information and be careful. I think the healthcare sector could model that. You don't typically go into an emergency waiting room or to your doctor's office and see a poster up there that talks about how to protect your medical privacy. Oftentimes when we sign those HIPAA statements, when you go to the doctors, you don't usually read them. They're so long and small print, you just sign at the bottom. And so I think more education needs to be done, and that can't just come from groups like MIFA or the industry or the media talking about it. I think it does need to come from healthcare providers and payers to help their members and their patients to understand these very serious consequences about them. And then obviously at the same time, as the whole industry becomes digitized and ramps up with electronic health records and digital PHI, cybersecurity, data protection, privacy, all of those controls, very rich layered controls need to be in place. And so that is ongoing as well. Finally, Anne, what's your prediction about medical ID theft and fraud? Do you think the problem will get worse, or do you see any signs in terms of hope in preventing these crimes? 
I think short term, we probably are going to see the healthcare channel pretty bombarded by criminals. They know in terms of using medical identities that there's usually a little bit longer lag time or sometimes a, a lot bit longer lag time before detection. So unlike your credit card that can be shut down almost immediately while you're on the phone with your bank, a medical identity can be fraudulently used over and over, over an extended period of time, continuing to, to make you illegal money. And so criminals know that. They know that the healthcare sector is ramping up hugely with electronic health records. So I feel like they're going to infiltrate the healthcare sector as much as they can until they move on to the next channel that they feel is low-hanging fruit. Long-term, I think it'll be interesting to see if something like the Affordable Care Act will actually reduce the number of that friends and family type of medical identity fraud. And so this is where somebody you know is either you are participating in the, you're complicit in the fraud or they're using it without your permission, but somebody you know is using your medical identity to get health care, again, because they don't have their own health insurance. That's about 50%, according to our study, the last, and that's trended about the same the last several years, about half of medical identity fraud is in that friends and family category. So with the ACA, as more individuals get their own health care, coverage, it'd be interesting to see if that lessens the need for that friends and family type kind of fraud. So we may be able to see as much as 50% of medical identity fraud being reduced long term as more people have their own health insurance. Thanks, Anne. I've been speaking to Anne Patterson of the Medical Identity Fraud Alliance. I'm Marian Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.